0: Welcome to the weekly sermons podcast of the United Methodist Church of the Resurrection. We are a church with a vision to be used by God to change lives, strengthen churches, and transform the world. We are on a journey to know, love, and serve God. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. My name is Cheryl Jefferson Bell, and I invite you to hear these words of Scripture— Our passage today is from Luke chapter 15. What woman, if she owns 10 silver coins and loses one of them, won't light a lamp and sweep the house, searching her home carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me because I've found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, Joy breaks out in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who changes both heart and life. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of Scripture. In just three years of public ministry, Jesus managed to change the world. Much of Jesus' ministry centered upon his preaching and teaching to the masses. And when he did this, he almost always taught by telling these incredible stories. Stories have power. Stories spark emotion. Stories inspire us to change our hearts and our minds. Jesus was a masterful storyteller. And just as they did back then, these incredible stories continue to transform us today. Well, my name is Ann Williams and I'm one of the pastors at Resurrection Downtown. And I'm so honored to have this time uh, to grow in faith with you today. So as I get started, I get to share with you about uh, one of the most important members in our household at the Williams family household. And this is Monk. Monk is very special and very important to us. He is irreplaceable and he is one of a kind. And that's why we have a very important rule that monk does not leave the house. Monk cannot go outside. He can't go in the car. He can't go anywhere with us. He does not leave the house, except one day when he did, he went outside in the backyard with our kids uh, to play with them in the backyard there. And nightfall set and everyone was having a great time, except when it got dark and it was time to go inside. And then suddenly his fur was the exact same color as the entire backyard. And so we asked for help from all the neighbor kids and everybody got flashlights and we were looking all over the backyards, cowering every inch to try to find him. We didn't know how we would do bedtime without him. Well, I get to share with you a little bit more later about what happened with Monk, but today I learned this week that A lot of us struggle with lost things and and losing things. According to a 2017 study, Americans lose two and a half days a year out of their lives looking for lost things. Do you? 71% of Americans said that they have lost their TV remote at least one time this month. Those couch cushions get us every single time, don't they? And over half of Americans say losing things commonly makes them late to their obligations. As a country, we spend $2.7 million replacing the items that we've lost. So losing things is stealing our time, making us late, and taking all of our money. And our PTA uh, Facebook page got all kinds of attention a few weeks ago when after only 30 days into the school year, uh, the kids had lost. This lost and found was full of items. There were 10 water bottles and 16 sweatshirts and a handful of shirts and other accessories. They were just all of these things lost in the lost and found after only 30 days of school. And you know, that's elementary school. So maybe we would, you know, not be too surprised about that. But adults were no better after all. After a few exciting hours in September, America had actually misplaced an entire fighter jet in rural South Carolina. Remember that? Today, we dive into this amazing parable that Jesus teaches about a woman who is searching for something that's lost. And we continue our sermon series on the incredible uh, stories that Jesus told. We we get to learn about God. We get to hold a mirror up to our own self and and learn about the human experience. And then these parables, they help us imagine what the kingdom of God is really like. I want to remind you that a parable holds absolutely no value at all if it isn't applied to our life in some way. And so that's what we get to do with this time today. And what we find in our story is, is this woman, she has 10 coins. This would have been about a 10 days wages for her. Nine of them are completely fine. She knows where they are. They are just fine. But that is not good enough for this woman because she loses one coin. And what we find is that she stops everything to look for it. What would this have been like for her? An ordinary Palestinian home would have been dark. They only had one window, 18 inches big. And that was all the light that they had in their homes. So it would have been dark. And then if you can imagine the floor of that home is is packed with dirt and with dried reeds over top of it. I want you to imagine this woman looking for a needle in a haystack. At this, we are meant to begin thinking, how much is that coin it really worth? We're meant to begin thinking, would I go to all that trouble for just one coin? I heard a story about a woman, Janet Valenti on Long Island who had a winning lottery ticket for about a $12 million jackpot. And 31 uh, years ago, she uh, checked the numbers On her ticket, she threw the tickets in the trash and later she saw the winning numbers and she realized that she had made a terrible mistake, that she had a winning lottery ticket for $12 million jackpot, but she threw it away. She didn't cash it in. She knew she had made a terrible mistake, a $12 million mistake. And so can you imagine this woman frantically quickly searching for her trash, driving home, racing home because that ticket, it could have changed her life. How desperately would you have searched for a ticket like that? You see, this parable isn't about a coin. It's not about an item at all. It's not about lost remotes or lottery tickets or stuffed animals. Jesus uses a coin to symbolize a human life a human life that is lost, a person who has lost their way, a person who is far from God, or maybe they're not far from God at all, but they feel as if they are far from God, being brushed aside by the rest of humankind. I think that's how one man must've felt when he got lost on a hike in Katmai National Park in Alaska, this very remote national park, one of the most remote national parks that we have. Take a look at his story. Now with the hiker saved thanks to Fat Bear Week, viewers of the popular live stream spotting the man on camera, he just saw him there, leading authorities to rescue him on a remote Alaska mountain. Rena Roy joins us now with this incredible story. Good morning, Rena. Good morning to you. That's right. People around the globe were keeping their eyes peeled for some of those fat bears, but instead saw that man desperate for help and alerted authorities. It's that time of year. No, not back to school, it's Fat Bear Week. The annual bracket-style tournament, which ranks Katmai bears in their pre-hibernation bulk up in Katmai National Park, Alaska. But this year, online bear watchers making a shocking discovery. I've been keeping a close eye on that camera that day and saw no bears but I did see a distressed man. In the middle of Alaska during a windy rainstorm, a lone hiker seen pleading for help. Chelsea Pruitt and her fellow bear watchers alerting explore.org. They were able to get rangers up there within two hours. Park rangers jumping into action, finding the hiker at the webcam location unharmed. The live feeds allow safe exploration in one of America's most remote parks. It spans over four million acres with less than six miles of designated and maintained hiking trails. There's The fact he found it at all was a miracle and that he waited for help to come. I mean, he did all the right things that a lost hiker should do and he saved his own life. How amazing is it that this man who needed help, he passed by... At this exact location of a live footage camera. And how remarkable it is that there were individuals who were, who were tuned in to this footage at the exact moment that he walked by. You know, we have a God who is always keeping watch. And I can't help but remembering that God has, has never failed to remember those who suffer those who wonder if they are forgotten by the whole world, those who wonder if they're forgotten by God, God never tires of searching for his children. I think about the Israeli hostages who are being held by Hamas in Gaza. And remember the lives of so many who died in the rubble of this gruesome war. These atrocities are gut-wrenching and they are heartbreaking. And even in those darkest moments, God remembers God's people. The Hebrew word for remember is zakar. And one of the distinctive qualities of God is that God remembers those who suffer. See, this is, this is the God that we know. This is his pattern. That God showed up for the ancient Israelites time and time again. God was the heroic rescuer, deliverer, the one who makes a way where there was no way, the God who brought children to barren women, the God who parted the seas for the exodus from Egypt. And in each one of these epic stories, we see the arc of the story turns hopeful when God remembers. God remembers his people and God rem- remembers his promises. He remembered Noah He remembered Sarah. He remembered Moses and the Israelites. He remembered Daniel in the lion's den. He remembered Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in that fiery furnace. And he remembers each one of us. This week, I spoke to a gentleman whose one-month-old grandson had died after being abused by his own father. And when I spoke to this grandfather about the pain, the agony that he faced, we looked for hope together. And what we hold on to is that God remembers this precious child. God always remembers, no matter what loss or brokenness or evil we might face. And so, to the lost, the forgotten, the left behind, to those who don't feel special or important or valuable, to those who have lost their self esteem completely, who think they aren't worth remembering at all, God sees and remembers you. To those who experience human suffering and pain, injustice and tragedy, to those who are questioning, is God even out there at all? Does God even care? To those who join the prophet Habakkuk, when he cried out to God saying, how, Lord, how long, Lord, must I call for your help? How long? And you do not listen to each one of those people God sees and remembers you. Each one of us is treasured. Each one of us has a value. Each one is worth searching for. And many of us may be able to point to a season in our life when we felt like we were lost maybe from the presence of God or or we lost a part of us. And honestly, standing here in this Leewood Sanctuary it takes me back to a season about nine years ago. You see, nine years ago, I was actually ending my time as a pastor here at the Leewood location and I was beginning a new journey. So I had a baby on the way. And after that baby was born, I, I began my time serving resurrection downtown. And, and you know, the people here at Leewood, you sent me off with baby showers. You shared baby clothes with us and you sent us out ready for a new adventure. And when that baby came, Nothing went as planned. Have you ever had a season like that? He wasn't born happy and healthy. He had a stroke and he had seizures and he was quickly whisked away to Children's Mercy Hospital for special care. And those first few hours, they weren't filled with snuggles and joy in his mommy's arms, but they were filled with MRIs and neurologists and they were filled with Googling medical terms that we didn't understand this experience it launched me into a season of feeling overwhelmingly lost. I remember the nurses, they would screen me for postpartum depression and they would ask me questions like do you find yourself crying a lot? Do you blame yourself for things that have happened? Do you feel scared and anxious, or panicked or worried? Yes. 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 And I wonder if you've had a time where you felt completely lost because I know what I did, I made it worse on myself. Sometimes we do that. I refused to turn on the lights in my hospital room as I recovered from C-section. I didn't open the Bible. I didn't do devotions. I stopped taking calls from friends. I refused visitors. Think of it, me. I I was making my career out of visiting people who were sick in the hospital, but I told all my friends, you may not come for a visit. And if if you come, I'm gonna turn you away. I can assure you that did not go over well. We eventually got to go home and even that came with uncertainty. We were told to wait and see if he would ever walk or talk or go to kindergarten. And luckily for us, that season was a short one for us. But there's a close place in my heart for all the people who struggle with long seasons of suffering. And what I get to show you today is the little baby is now a beautiful, thriving and healthy third grader. He's getting ready to get his third grade Bible from resurrection downtown in just a few weeks. You see him here now with his awesome first grade brother, Reed. And you know, Jude's name, we had picked it out before he was born and people would ask, how, how did you choose his name? But there wasn't really anything special about it. We just liked the way it sounded. We liked the way the name sounded. And so that's it. There was nothing too special about it. But not long after we had this experience and, and after his birth, there was somebody who pointed out to me that in the Catholic faith, St. Jude is the patron saint of desperate situations and lost causes. And you know, Jude, he, he lives up to his name because his life, it speaks to a God who sees and remembers children who are hurting, children who are suffering, moms who are broken, and all those, all the people who have seasons where part of their spirit is lost. You see, our God specializes in desperate situations and lost causes. Well, the idea of lost people can conjure up many different images in our minds in, in all this talk about people who are lost. The most important thing though is for us to remember and to consider who did Jesus mean? What did Jesus mean when he taught this parable? In the days before this parable, Jesus had called Matthew, a tax collector, to be his disciple. And, and Matthew, he, he changed his heart and his life and he followed Jesus. He became his disciple. And then Jesus, he sits down with Matthew and others like him to eat with them. Why did this matter? Well, tax collectors were traitors. They had sold out to Rome. They were known for overcharging people so they could get rich off of their own home communities, their own people who had raised them. They were the worst of the worst there were Jewish laws that, that advised Jews to, to associate with them at all. And then Jesus, he doesn't just tolerate them. He, he ate with them. He called them to be his disciples. This was the highest form of acceptance. Jesus sought these people out, these tax collectors, and he delighted in their presence when they changed their hearts and their lives. Well, the Pharisees, the religious authorities, they grumbled. Because when he did this, it called into question everything they expected the Messiah to be. They thought it diminished his message. They thought it soured the image of a savior, but really his table fellowship was the entire root, the entire basis of everything he came to show us. That this grace is for each one of us, every single one of us, even those who make a career out of cheating and corruption and greed. And so, when the Pharisees grumble, they say, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They intend to insult him, but Jesus says, You finally got it. Yes. Jesus then launches into today's lesson describing a God who seeks out sinners and how heaven rejoices when they repent. Jesus said, Healthy people don't need a doctor, but sick people do. I didn't come to call the righteous but sinners to change their hearts and lives. Jesus is asking who is willing to change their hearts and lives. He's even asking it of the religious. And sometimes it is the most religious of us all who need that transformation the most. As R. Ellen uh, Culpepper put it, typically we want mercy for ourselves and justice for others. We want mercy for ourselves and justice for others. Well, these religious leaders had lost sight of the fact that we are all falling short of the glory of God, that we all need God's grace. They were all wrapped up in their religious superiority and how they had things in their mind. And that's a lesson for each one of us today. The minute we feel ourselves saying, really God, them too, they get grace too. We are on the wrong side of this parable. You see, it's human nature for each one of us to size things up, to do a cost-benefit analysis. And so I wonder if I told you a penny fell out of your pocket and I ran up to you and I tried to give it back to you, how would you react? There's talk about, do we even need pennies anymore? But if I told you that a hundred dollar bill fell out of your pocket and I wanted to give it back to you, then of course it would be different. And so to Jesus, the answer is always Every one of us is worth it. No one is too far gone. No one has strayed too far that they are beyond the reach of our God. One time I had a teacher ask me this question, Anne, would you rather be effective or would you rather be justified? And it made me wonder how often I walk around trying to justify the way I think about things. This is what I see when I look at the Pharisees. I see the religious authorities trying to justify their own opinions. And I don't wanna read scripture to justify my own thoughts and opinions. I wanna read scripture to allow it to transform me, to change me, to shape me, to make my heart and mind more like God's. Anytime Jesus tells a parable, Jesus invites us to step into the story. If we are willing to take an honest look at ourselves, these parables, they can transform us. So here's how I imagine it. Imagine for a moment, remember for a moment with me, how classic old fairy tales would always begin. The very first thing that you see is an old book. And then as the cover of the book is open, the narration begins. And after the first few pages are read, the listener is drawn in. Slowly, you're drawn into the story right alongside the other characters. Take a look how it's done in the movie Enchanted. Once upon a time, in a magical kingdom known as Andalasia, there lived an evil queen. Selfish and cruel, she lived in fear that one day her stepson would marry and she would lose her throne forever. And so she did all in her power to prevent the prince from ever meeting the one special maiden with whom he would share true love's kiss. So I want you to imagine the story's opening. The pages are opening, and you get to step inside this story. Where are you? Are you the lost coin, asking, begging that God remembers you? Or perhaps you sit in the seat of the Pharisee, the listener, the audience that Jesus was talking to, and you're confronted by the fact that you care more about rules and keeping up with norms. Perhaps you're the one who part of you grimaces when you think that maybe that other person would get the same grace that you got. Well, there's a third character in this parable, the woman. And this woman, she represents the character of our God. And I wonder, is it possible that reading this parable could not only teach us about Jesus and the things that he said and the things that he did and how people reacted to him, but what if this story had the power to shape us into little Jesus's. What if by reading this story and understanding the character of God, we could take on the heart of Jesus and do the kinds of things that Jesus did? We are meant to be people who stop everything. A woman who changes her plans, allows interruptions, lights her lamp, sweeps up her home and searches diligently for something that has been lost. How can we be people who search for the lost here at Church of the Resurrection? All this takes me back to Monk, our favorite stuffed animal. As I told you about him earlier, after looking for a while that night, we had given up. And so we were beginning to, to go back into the house and to try to do bedtime without him. And, and one little, little neighbor boy, he, he ran out of his house and, and he said, I found Monk. And we thought, you just came out of your house. How could you find him? How? And he said, I was in my room on the second floor, looking out my window. And I spotted him there under the tree. And he walked up to Monk and handed him to my son. You know, our neighbor, Jojo, he had a completely different vantage point. He had a completely different perspective. He, from his window, second floor, he could see things that we couldn't see on the ground level. And this is what I think God is asking us to do. God is asking us to take his perspective, to see with his vision, who is lost and in need of hope. That's the purpose of this church, to be a church for people who have no spiritual home. And at Resurrection Downtown, we have an opportunity to do this. I'm gonna say every single February, I'm gonna say that. You'll know what I mean. Because the Chiefs Super Bowl parade passes right by our building. And there are a million things that we could do with that. We asked the police department, how can we help? How can we be a part of it? What is needed? And what they respond with is they need a safe place where children can be brought. A reconnection site. This is perfect. This is exactly who Church at the Resurrection is. Because of course, of course we want to be a place where lost things can be reunited. This is one of those moments where it's easy for us to be available to the lost, but there are opportunities and ideas all around us, whether you tutor students at partner schools or you drive for the food mobile, or maybe you're like my friends, Terry and Sally, who just returned from South Africa on a missions trip. Maybe you this week have been going out with your neighbors to join in this peanut butter drive. Our staff wanted to lead the way. And so we thought, how can we do this? And so my friends at Resurrection Downtown, they've been going out to our neighbors in the crossroads, to other businesses and asking them, would your business want to be a part of this? Would your employees donate peanut butter? This is an invitation not just to feed hungry children. This is an invitation for the nominally religious to see church in a different light, to say, I might want to be a part of that. You see, those who make it their purpose to seek out the lost, they, they wake up with this fire, this desire, this mission. How can I meet people who don't have a church family? How can I serve people who struggle to make ends meet? How can I see the people that God wants me to notice today? We pray, God, change my perspective. Give me a different vantage point. Show me opportunities to make someone feel less alone. You know, Jesus said, these are occasions for joy. That's the topic. That's the the title of this section of Luke. Occasions for joy. Jesus said that joy and celebration break out when one sinner changes their heart and life. Jesus said, this is the path for joy if you're looking for it. And so I wonder, what kind of heart change do you need today? Do you need to believe that although you might feel lost, you are worth searching for? Do you need to be reminded that God's grace is there, available? It is here for every single person. Do you need to be reminded that God's love and grace are for everyone, even those you don't expect? Or maybe you need a heart and mind change for your mission when you wake up each and every morning how can I be a part of the saving work of our God? Whatever God is calling you to do, to change in your heart and your life, may we be transformed by this parable and the amazing grace of our Jesus. Would you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for the opportunity to be your children, to be people who are worth uh, being searched for. God, thank you for your love and grace. As we accept it, as we receive it, as we believe it, God, we pray that you would transform us into the kind of people who make others feel that love and grace. Help us to be people who seek the lost, the lonely, the left behind. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. And we hope you're able to join us next week. To learn more about Church of the Resurrection, visit us online at core.org. That's C O R. O R G.